0: You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2021 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Father in heaven, we are so thankful and privileged to be here together, like-minded believers here to learn of you, to worship together. I pray Your Holy Spirit would be with us, would guide us, would give us understanding, Lord, not just in a theoretical way, but a practical way as we seek to better understand the vital core truths that comprise the Adventist faith and how we can share those more effectively with others as we seek to be ready when Jesus comes. We ask that You would uh, answer this prayer as we prayed in the name of Jesus and for His sake. Amen. Okay, so we have advertised this as the core workout, and Cameron and I were trying to to come up with what, you know, uh, let me back up a little bit. Emmanuel Institute is a lay training program here in the Michigan Conference, and when we started out, we did a basically a three and a half month training, and there's a lot you cover in three and a half months, where we had students who would come stay on campus, we were we were working out of Pullman, Michigan. We had a campus there. Students would come, and then we had a field school. So we would go out into we would pick different area communities. We worked in um, I want to say we worked in Holland. We worked in Grand Haven. We worked in um, Grand Rapids one summer. We worked in in Allegan. We all around. We'd find a locale, and we the students would go out, and they would. Go door to door, and they try to find interest and get Bible studies, and and we would train them as they were doing that, so it wasn't just classroom stuff. Uh, obviously, very extensive. And so, when we do something at camp, meaning um, Cameron and I almost don't want to call it Emmanuel training because it's it you know Emmanuel training is more immersive. For example, this fall, and we talked about this Sabbath morning. This fall in October, we did it last year too, but with. I'm just really glad that some COVID things are shifting. I, I, I don't want to offend anybody here, but I'm just telling you, um, in July, July 1st, I don't have to wear a mask into the grocery store anymore. And that makes me happy. So I don't know how the rest of you feel about it. But at any rate, we did this last year, last fall, and it worked out pretty well, but we had an Emmanuel session in the training office, and it was a week long, And the folks came, and they stayed in a local hotel, and we fed them their meals, and it's all day, every day for seven days. We incorporated outreach in that, but there's just a lot of things you can cover, and when you pull yourself away from whatever you usually do, at work or play, and you spend all day, every day focusing on spiritual things, training, witnessing, it has a different effect than going to a class. Or having something at your church in the evening, and then you go back to work the next day. You understand what I'm saying? So camp meetings kind of halfway in between that. We had a week to do something. We were wondering what to do, and because of the variety of things we train in—training people how to find interests to study with, training people how to give Bible studies, training people how to get decisions when you're in Bible studies—all of those things uh, can take a, a, an amount of time, and so you can't do them all at once. When we do these. A short session like a camp meeting. Um, sometimes we'll do a week where we do witnessing training. But this week, we're focusing on something that we have traditionally called our Bible boot camp, and that is going over Seventh day Adventist beliefs from the Bible to help you be more confident in sharing them with others. And I'll explain what I mean by that a little bit more in a minute. So, you know, this week, the core, our core workout is our core beliefs, what sometimes has been called the five S's or the six S's, or the seven S's, if you've ever been through this as different. But You're always going to have Sabbath. You're always going to have State of the Dead. You're always going to have Second Coming. You're going to have Sanctuary. You're going to have Spirit of Prophecy. Now, sometimes people put salvation in there, but salvation is, is re- what we... That, that's, that's kind of a, uh, an overarching everything belief. And when we t- usually talk about the five S's, we're talking about those distinctive, different things. That, you know, those are the things we're like, how do I share this with somebody? Um, in this same room in the morning, starting tomorrow, Elder Royce Snaman, our retiring ministerial director, and I are going to be teaming up to do a week-long presentation on justification righteousness by faith. So we get the salvation component there. But in the afternoon, we've got the five, and then I added standards, okay? Christian living, Christian dress. Why? Because these topics are the topics that people... Feel squirrely about sharing with other people. When Seventh Day Adventists here, we did a training in Lansing, Michigan, several years back, and I won't tell the pastor there at the time. Not that I'm telling on him; it was a bad thing. But we were trying to figure out what we're going to include. We did like a ten-day-long training, and you're always going to leave something out and put something in. Like, what are we going to try to cover in the week? And I like to always do at least a little section of a boot camp, or going over Bible doctrines, beliefs, whatever else. And the pastor said, you know, I want to get more practical stuff. I want people to be able to have more practicing getting Bible studies and giving Bible studies, and they already know the doctrines. And something told me I need to keep a piece of the doctrine study in it regardless. And so I was able to cover everything he wanted, and I had one afternoon where I just blasted through a bunch of those distinctive, I think I covered the law, the Sabbath, the, 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 the um, Mark of the Beast, and something else, and in, in, in the covenants in like a four-hour block. I had, now don't be like, whew, because guess what? This afternoon is the Sabbath, and we're going to be covering the law of the Sabbath, the mark of the beast, and the USA and prophecy. And I'm going to explain why we're doing that in a minute. We're just, this is the warm up. But when we after I had done that session, one of the folks came up to me afterwards, and this happens all the time, but I'm just giving this example, and said to me, Pastor, I have grown up in the Adventist Church. I went to Adventist Elementary School. I went to Adventist Academy, I went to Adventist College, and I never heard what you've presented here today. And I'm thinking, the law and the Sabbath? But in the years following that, and as I pastored over here a few years ago at the Academy Church, it began to to dawn on me. You have to understand, my family left the Adventist Church when I was about 15 years old. And I went to public high school, and. My family went off with the Ford movement. And I ended up coming back to the church when I was about 26 years old. And so I didn't have that academy experience and all that. And it was, it was kind of weird because I, I grew up and I went to Adventist Elementary School. And when I came back into the church, I remember connecting with friends that I had in elementary school. And it was weird to me that their lifestyle was very similar to the one I was in the process of leaving. Because, you you, you know, for, for many Seventh-day Adventists, your belief is a cultural belief. You believe it because everybody believes it. And, and the way, I'm afraid, the way we even teach our kids, we have curriculum. Like, you can't grow up and go to an Adventist school and not learn about the law on the Sabbath because it's in the curriculum. It's in the curriculum. It's in the textbooks. I know they got it. So this is where I'm wrestling, like, how could she say she didn't get it? But here's the thing. The way we often teach it is, you know, we go on the, the church on the Sabbath because we know Saturday is the seventh day. And yet, and when we teach it like you already know this, here's a review. Instead of teaching it like these are the Bible reasons why we do this, this is what you're going to get challenged on, and people are going to tell you this, and this is why we don't take that position that they take on the law or on the Sabbath or whatever else. We don't teach them to think, our young people or our adults, to think critically about what we believe. And so we believe because we've been told, and 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 I see it every year. Our kids grow up, they come to academy, they're told not to wear jewelry because Adventists don't wear jewelry. They graduate, they go out and get their ears pierced and wear jewelry. Because they were just told, we do it because Adventists. And like like they're not going to get challenged on that? In the, in the majority of society, just coming in, even, even in the church, but let alone, like, culture at large, is going to challenge those things. So why do we believe these things? And I think what this lady was telling me, who grew up Adventist, she never really had a critical look at what... You know what I mean by critical. I'm not talking critical. I'm talking about thinking it through. A look at why we believe what we believe. I'm going to tell you something. The longer I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, the more confidence I have in the Seventh-day Adventist faith. And I, I don't care if a person... And I'm just going to be straightforward with you. I never went to seminary. I've never taken Greek one Greek class. Okay? I know some Greek. I know some Hebrew from personal study as a pastor. I've been in pastoral ministry over 20 years. I've trained a lot of people. I'm going to tell you... I don't care what a person's pedigree is. I will go toe-to-toe with anybody on what I believe because I know what the Bible says about it. And I know that because I made it my point to know that. Because that's what a Christian is. And I think back to the words, that perhaps you're familiar with the words of John Wycliffe, who was arguing with the scholars of his day, who said, you know, the lay people shouldn't be reading the Bible. (laughs) You know, they need the priest to interpret and, of course, they didn't even have it in their own language. And Wycliffe said, I'm going to make it so a boy who drives the plow knows more of the Scriptures than you. We have forgotten the power of the Word. And, man, the Adventist faith is a Bible-based faith. And the more you know it, you're just unshakable because you know what Scripture says. So my point this week, you know, when, when, when the pastor told me, oh, our, our, our members know the doctrine." It dawned on me, because I've done so much training to train people how to give Bible studies, and yet our members aren't flocking to give Bible studies. And I think it's because we're uncertain. Not even necessarily uncertain like, okay, the Sabbath, no, I believe the Sabbath. But how do I share the Sabbath? What do I say? And I know these guys are going to say, and we've already maybe had a little bit of experience where people come back and say, the Sabbath, oh, you guys believe in the Sabbath? Don't you know the law was done away with? Don't you know that God doesn't care as long as we love Jesus? He just wants us to love Jesus, love Him, and love one another. And, you know, you get it all this. And then you're thinking, what am I going to say to that? And so our time this week is looking at the core Seventh-day Adventist beliefs. But we have to... So today we're going to look at the Sabbath. But I can't tell you about the Sabbath without looking at the law. We can't do that. In other words, I want you to get an understanding of why this is a significant doctrine, And and there there are other things related to it. So there are you know we cover the the the, Cameron covers the second or covers the death connected with death is the doctrine of hell and the millennium. I mean you just they kind of go together. So you're going to get a lot this week, and I want to encourage you to take notes. Now what I'm going to do because I did run over here to be here by two because of this little schedule debacle is I have some stuff on the printer. Now I have Bible studies that I put together that what I want to do is I want to talk about the doctrine and then I'm not going to give you a Bible study but I'm going to walk through the flow but I want to do it after I explain. Let me say one more thing and then I want to dive into talking about the law a little bit. We'll start there. And then the, the intention is this every day is going to be from 2.15 to 5. Okay? We're going to have breaks, so we'll go from 2.15 to 3. We'll have a 10-minute break, and we'll go from 3.10 to 4. We'll have a break, and we'll go from 4.10 to 5. And we're going to take that block to go through what we cover, each the Sabbath today, tomorrow's the state of the dead, Wednesday is the sanctuary, Thursday is the... Spirit. No, 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 I'm mixed up. It's Sunday. Tomorrow's sec, uh, second coming, and that's Monday. Tuesday is State of the Dead. Wednesday is... Is it written out somewhere? Oh, thank you for telling me what we're going to present this week, because I forgot. So Spirit of Prophecy is Wednesday. Thursday is Sanctuary. Yes, and Friday is Standard. Okay. So let me say one more thing about when it comes to sharing your faith with others, specifically giving Bible studies. And, and I'm going to incorporate evangelistic meanings as well. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought this way. I've been challenged this way sometimes by members. I mean, I don't get challenged this way pretty much by... by, by... Members usually do the challenging on this. And they'll say, why do we, when we cover the Sabbath, why don't we cover this and why don't we cover that? Why, why always this little bit? And why don't we, when we give Bible studies, have more studies on this, that, and the other thing? I want you to understand that a Bible study lesson is not written with the intention of exhausting the topic. When the evangelist gets up in that evangelistic meeting and preaches on the Sabbath, his point isn't to cover every last place in the Bible that the Sabbath appears. His purpose is to address specifically those things that people have questions about. To address those things, those points where the devil has twisted things and he's trying to straighten them out. When you're giving Bible studies, It's not the point to exhaust the topic. The point is to try to take the things that are unclear and make them clear so that a person can think through them and make a decision. And so as we go through topics this week, there's a lot that we won't cover. But what we do cover are those areas that we get challenged on, that people have questions on, and uh, we want to try to bring clarity from Scripture to answer those. And so as I explain some of the reasoning the back, behind the scene, reasoning behind putting a study together, then when we go through the study and I say, now you go from here to here to here, I think it's going to make sense as you see, this is why the flow, and I'm going to use the lessons I wrote, okay? and I've used them for a manual for a long time, but any Adventist lesson on the law is going to follow a pretty similar trajectory of thought because of that reason. It's trying to answer the common mindset that most people have about a topic, like the Sabbath, okay? So you can't get into the Sabbath without starting with the law. Tell me what the Christian world thinks about the law. Now, I want to share with you some things about the law that folks just don't think about. And I want to start with, let's start with this. Let's start with justification by faith, okay? How many Christians believe in justification by faith? Just about all of them, right? Now, I want to ask you some questions here. Let's say that uh, a friend Jack here and I are having a, a disagreement. And I say something like, you don't need to know the disagreement. You just need, you come in on the conversation and I say, Jack, you're just trying to justify yourself. Have you ever heard that expression before? without even knowing anything, what am I basically saying he's trying to do? To show he's right, right, or an excuse, to show he's right, to show he's innocent, to excuse himself, right? When we use that term justify, have you ever tried to justify yourself? (laughs) The rest of us are like, I'm not going to answer that question. (laughs) Okay, let me ask you the follow-up. When in, when do you try to... Ju- what is the only time you try to justify yourself? Not necessarily when you're wrong. Just- okay, well, there are a lot of people who think I'm wrong, but they don't tell me. So we're getting closer. Okay, perhaps... I'm fishing for something. When somebody accuses you, right? Yeah. Well, you don't necessarily have to. We like to give an explanation. Um, Yes. When you feel attacked, right? Justification only comes in the presence of accusation. Isn't that true? So here's the big question for the Christian. Why do we talk about justification? Because there's been an accusation. Where does the accusation come from? Does the devil accuse us? The Bible calls Satan an accuser of the brethren. Does, the devil, does God care about the devil's accusations against his people? A little bit. But guess what? The Bible calls him a liar. Uh, that's not. Take your Bibles now. Now let's get into the Bible, and I want you to look with me to the book of Romans. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 3 and verse 19. That's where we're going to start. If you did not bring the Bible in some form, you really want to have it for this. Because the purpose of this week is not for you to leave and say, that was interesting, those guys in there taught some interesting stuff. No, the purpose is that you say, The Word says. The Bible says. John uh, John 3. Romans 3, verse 19. Now follow along. It says, Now we know that whatever the, the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Now hold your finger there. We're not done, but... What's he saying? Who's doing the accusing in the verse? The law. Whatever the law says. And think about the wording now, that every mouth may be stopped. What does it mean for your mouth to be stopped? Stopped from what? Specifically in the context of what? Justifying yourself. I mean this is a, like i can justify myself all day long but what's going to happen when i go and i stand in front of the law of god and my life is exposed what do i got to say i'm a sinner i broke it i'm condemned by the law and this is this you know so in john chapter three and i'm not going to look it up perhaps you should know the verse in john chapter three where no we are going to look it up i should never say that you should know the verse we should all know him but I need to keep reviewing. John chapter 3. Now this is that whole account with Nicodemus and the whole conversion you must be born again. John chapter 3. And of course there in verse 3 Jesus answers and said to him most assuredly I say to you unless one is born again, etc. But we're jumping down to verse 16. John 3.16. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should what? Not perish but have everlasting life for god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved he who believes in him is not condemned but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of god where's the condemnation come from what jesus said is those who don't believe i didn't come to condemn the world the world's already condemned that's why i came <laughs> i came because the world's condemned. What condemned the world? The law of God. Everybody has broken the law of God. That's what it means to be a sinner, right? There is no need for justification if there's no accusation. So for the Christian who says, I don't believe the law matters anymore. It's done away. What are you talking about justification for? Now, I'm going to guarantee you, evangelical friends, have never thought about that. But if there's no condemnation, there's no reason for justification. There's no reason for a Savior, so there's no reason for grace. And so the whole concept, like even at the very core, when we're talking about the Sabbath, you know, the, the issue that most people have, is that the law doesn't matter anymore, either because it was done away with or because under the new covenant, there's a new law and yada, yada, yada. It's not that the Sabbath isn't there. It's not that the Sabbath isn't the seventh day. I've talked to ministers. When I pastored in Grand Rapids, we rented a church from a... It was kind of an offshoot of the, of, a, uh, of, of, the, of a Calvinist church in Grand Rapids, which is predominantly Calvinistic. And I remember the pastor... <laughs> I think I still have it. I will try to find it this week. I saved the voicemail message from this pastor. So we're renting the church, and our church was growing, and their church was shrinking. And so when he he would come in on Sunday, we'd have all these churches up, all these chairs up. And then when they would, you know, and, and when his people would come in, there's all these chairs and nobody's sitting in them. Didn't look good. So they have to remove chairs. And he calls me up, and he leaves this message. And he's like, Pastor Howard, I was just wondering if you guys, you know, you, you're, and this is what he says, your church seems to be growing, and our church appears to be shrinking. And he says, anyway, could you remove some of your chairs? Because when you guys come in on Sunday, er, I mean, Sabbath, you guys keep the right day. And, I mean, it's, I've got the voicemail message, and I can tell you time after time, they're not going to argue with you over a minister. They know the Bible says Saturday is the Sabbath. The seventh day, they know it's Saturday. They know it's the Sabbath. So how, why don't they keep it? It's not because they don't know if Saturday is the Sabbath. It's because they don't think the law is important anymore. And so just right from the core of Christianity, the whole idea of justification says there has to be a law. There's law. If there's if there if there's no law, there's need, no need for justification. Does that make sense? So the whole great controversy is is predicated on the fact that we've broken the law of God. The whole idea of sin is sin is the transgression of the law. In fact, if you go to John first John four and verse three, three verse four. Thank you. Suffering from a little. About quick bout of dyslexia, I mean dyslexia. First John chapter three verse four. Um, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Who has the King James here? Okay, somebody read nice and loud out of the King James version first. Okay, whoever commits sin transgresses the law. That's worded so clear and so plain. Sin is the transgression, the crossing over, the breaking of the law. That's what sin is. Clearest definition, in fact, in the words of Ellen White, the only definition in the Bible. Um, some people will take you other places and say, but the Bible says whatsoever is not a faith is sin. That's right, but that's not a definition. Like, what is, what's not a faith? Like, that's, that's, you, that's kind of nebulous. Um, the Bible says... He who knows the good to do and does not do it to him it is sin. Okay, where's the definition? But the only text that gives a clear definition is right there, 1 John 3, 4. Sin is transgression of the law. Now, if you read it in the New King James, and I'm telling you this because as I've talked to other Christians, <laughs> what I'm going to read to you is saying the exact same thing. But people will argue, they'll, sometimes they'll argue it and they'll say, but my Bible doesn't say that. Bible says, my Bible says, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. As if that's something different. It's more. It's not the law. It's not the Ten Commandments. It's something more general. So, just so you understand, in the Greek, this is what it says. In John, uh, this is what it. Yeah. Um, whoever commits sin, the word for sin is the Greek word hamartia. Now, I'll explain that in a minute whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness the word for lawlessness is the greek word anomia the a is negative nomos is law so it's, no, it's lawless is a really a good definition of the word good uh, translation of the word but that word hamartia that's fascinating the word hamartia in the greek means to miss the mark and and just to visually get that it's like you're Anybody ever work with bow and arrow, guns, BB guns, whatever, and aim at a target? It's like you're aiming at a target. And you're missing it. You miss the mark. You miss what you're aiming at. That's the word that's used for sin. It's missing the mark. In the context. The Greek would say, missing the mark is lawlessness. So what are we aiming at? The law. <laughs> obedience to the law i mean so transgression of the law it's not like well my bible says laws it? good <laughs> it's saying the exact same thing but the Bible's very clear that this whole problem exists because man transgressed the law of god and keep in mind that prior to whatever one might say about the law prior to the law being broken there was no death there was no depression There was no racial tension. There was no uh, 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 family dispute, abuse, none of it. That's a pretty good argument in favor of the law of God. And so it's kind of fascinating that a Christian would take the position to fight against the law of God. Why do you think they do it? Anybody have experience studying with a Christian? In a, in a series of Bible studies, most Seventh-day Adventist Bible studies, the studies come in this order. You've got law, then you've got Sabbath. You ever give a series of Bible studies? What happens when you go over the law with people? No problem until... <laughs> I remember I preached an evangelistic series. I had this couple come out. I think it was like the first night. And this was... You know, some time ago, there was this big Ten Commandment Day thing. Christians were doing this Ten Commandment Day. We've got to get back to the Ten Commandments. They had all these pamphlets printed up about the importance of the Ten Commandments. And this guy's like, can I pass these out to your guests at the meeting? I'm like, you knocked yourself out. You know? There's a Sunday keeper passing out how important it is to keep the commandments. You go for it. And uh, I'll never forget when we hit the Sabbath. And his wife came up, and she's like, They just couldn't get around that. Like, they were all about keeping the commandments. Every night they want to pass their pamphlets out, rah, rah, sis, boom, bah, until we get to the Sabbath. And all of a sudden, everything changes. And her reasoning was that, I I still remember her saying, but your church is so small, and, and, and our church is so big. And of course, my response is, what does the Bible say? How many people were cheering Jesus on at Calvary? How many people got on the boat in Noah's days? I mean, is that how we determine truth? But, you know, the Lord works with people. I believe he's, He, he that, that, of course, they stopped coming to the meeting. Um, I will tell you, how many of you have come into the Seventh-day Adventist church when you learned about the Sabbath? You can't shake the Sabbath. It just doesn't go away, does it? It just doesn't go away, no matter how much you want it to go away. I've known people, years later, they come back, and it's like, oh, I remember hearing it, and I was just like, oh, I threw the tapes away, or I yelled at this person." Whatever they did, a few years later, there they are. <laughs> because the Sabbath is just, it's there. And a person who wants to serve God knows you've got to obey some of the commandments of God. And so the issue doesn't come in generally until the Sabbath, and then what happens is, generally, a family member, a minister, somebody throws in this. Well, you know, the law was done away with. And listen, when you don't want to do something, any excuse is a good one. It doesn't have to make sense. When you've got the pressure on you, like, man, Sabbath, I did that. And I'll tell you, when it comes to people making decisions about the truth, I always tell folks, it's really, you know, we're tempted to say, well, they need more texts. Once a person's under conviction, they've had enough texts to bring them to conviction. And the reason they generally aren't making a decision to follow what they learn isn't an information issue, but an application issue. I'm not saying sometimes people don't need more information, but it's often because they're starting to count the cost. Wow, if I keep the Sabbath, I can't work on Saturday. I can't work on Friday night. I work in a restaurant, I work at a hair salon, I work at like a major Saturday business day. What am I going to do? Or when I tell my wife, she's not going to she's going to kick me out. And this is what happens, is people process through it. It's not because the truth isn't clear. It's application. And so when somebody, you know, in the Spirit of God is, works on people, but when it, that you're processing that application, and somebody can come and throw you a Bible text that says the Sabbath isn't important, whew, oh good. I'll take it. Does it make sense? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I don't care, Just uh, it, it just sounds good, because it's from the Bible. And the way the pastor told me, it means I don't have to keep the Sabbath. And that's what we're up against. But keep this in mind. Take your Bibles and go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 13, verse 8. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 8. Somebody read that. All right, now do it. read it again. I want you to listen carefully. Go ahead and read it again, nice and loud. We can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. truth. What in the world does that mean? Whose truth is it? It's God's truth. It's it's truth. Can truth become non-truth? It's always going to be true. And, and what a mindset. This is, the, this is the mindset the Apostle Paul had. It doesn't matter if people reject it, they, they turn away from it. I mean, obviously it breaks your heart, but, but when a person rejects truth that you shared, that isn't the final rejection. Sometimes we act like, oh, they're just going to turn their back on it. We don't know that. It takes time. to People wrestle through things. But it's awesome and powerful to know that we can do nothing against the truth before the truth. Even the enemies of the truth try to fight against the truth and they're still presenting truth. It's the truth of God and the truth of God is going to prevail. So, I want to talk about... uh, What I want to do now, actually, is I want to take our break now so I can go get our handouts and then we're going to come back here and we're going to walk through a couple studies. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org audio 2021 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcast.